This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Overcoming great challenges like COVID-19 requires great cooperation. This is Dan Hilferty, CEO of Independence Blue Cross. Most of us never imagined we'd be facing an outbreak of this magnitude. But in the face of this challenge, hospitals, public officials, and business leaders have come together. Through effective cooperation, these leaders are taking steps to keep us safe. Slowing the rate of infection from the virus will help hospitals care for those who need attention most. Remember, stay home. Leave only for essential needs. Stay informed from sources like the CDC or Department of Health. Take a break from watching the news. Stay well, exercise, and practice self-care to make sure you're physically and mentally fit. In our great region, we have a tradition of caring for each other and cooperating to get things done. We'll do it again now. For more, visit ibx.com COVID-19. Together, we will beat COVID-19. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. A radio.com station. From the Malamud and Associates Law Studios, it's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Sunday morning at 10. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. That is a very, very robust, vigorous, achu sneeze. That's what that is. And that's not what we're talking about. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good morning and welcome to another bright summer Sunday morning here on Your Radio Doctor. I'm honored to be your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Thank you for joining us and a special thank you to our exclusive partner, Independence Blue Cross. COVID, it's been in our midst for the past several months. We continue to learn about its many faces. Among those who recover, some are left with persistent cough, shortness of breath, even prolonged weakness. Here today are two very special guests from Thomas Jefferson University Hospital, two professors of physical medicine and rehabilitation medicine who will discuss the value of rehab after COVID. Because rehabilitation medicine is more than the therapy we offer patients who have suffered from a stroke or the help we give patients after a spinal cord injury renders them paralyzed. PM&R for short, is a field in medicine that is so broad and offers so many services that it would take more than one show to explain all it can do and do the topic justice. We begin by welcoming Dr. Steve Williams, Professor and Chair of the Department of Rehabilitation Medicine and the Dean of Jefferson College of Rehabilitation Science. Welcome, Steve. We're so happy you can join us today. Good morning, Marianne. Thank you so much for having me. Steve, I thought we could cover two big questions for you today. Let's start by explaining to our listeners how you see the many ways that PM&R can help a multitude of patients in general. Then after the break, maybe we can talk about particular issues that patients with COVID face and the great value of rehab in those circumstances. I'm happy to do so. Physical medicine and rehabilitation is a field of medicine that a lot of people really have limited understanding of what we do. And, and that includes not only uh, patients, but also many health providers have 
uh, little understanding of uh, the purpose of physical medicine and rehab. So the field of physical medicine and rehab actually uh, came into existence soon after World War II in New York uh, with the founding of the field by Dr. Howard Rusk. Uh, The physical medicine and rehabilitation department and the rehabilitation hospital at NYU is called the Rusk Institute in honor of him. Dr. Rusk was an internist, but he saw many patients who were returning from the war who had limitations in their function. And he was very concerned that people weren't able to do the things that they had previously been able to do as a as a result of their war injuries. And he really began to think about how he could work on improving people's function so that they could be more independent in their activities of daily life, which include everything from walking to dressing to brushing your teeth to bathing, etc. And also he thought, and it was truly proven uh, to be correct later, that by improving people's function, you ultimately improve people's quality of life. And so the field of physical medicine and rehabilitation is very much focused on either enhancing or restoring function for people who have physical impairments and disabilities, and, to, and through uh, improving function to help improve uh, people's joy or quality of life. And one of the things that I often think about as I ended up in rehab, and I feel so fortunate that I did, is that um, almost everyone uh, needs some type of rehab in our lives. Uh, We can often think about if you've been ill and had the flu and you've been in bed for a few days, when you get back up, you feel really weak and you have a little endurance, and that's called debilitation. And many people in particular, as we age, we become debilitated because we're simply not as active as we were before. And this really brings about um, an, a, a memory of my grandmother who was very important to me. And she lived into her 90s, but I recall that as she aged, there were many things that she began to let other people do for her as she got older. That included even grocery shopping. And one of the things that I noted later as she uh, uh, hit her late 80s and 90s was that her ability to walk around the grocery store was very limited because everybody had kind of helped her uh, just thinking that they were doing kind things for her. But as a result of helping her so much, she had become debilitated. And uh, she actually did have some physical therapy. And one of the things is that her endurance did improve. And so we treat patients who have um, such simple problems as a loss of endurance right on up to people who have much more complex uh, medical problems, including paralysis, as you mentioned earlier, spinal cord injury. We treat patients who have had strokes. We treat patients who have had cancer. Uh, and we also treat patients who have cognitive issues. So people who begin to have problems with memory. And I wouldn't say that the rehab doctor does all of this by themselves. The rehab doctor really works 
with a team of specialists who include uh, physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech and language pathologists, psychologists, and we all bring our expertise together to work as a team to really improve people's quality of life and their function. And I know you said we had a great conversation the other day. My own understanding of PM&R is so much better. Um, sometimes the simplest adaptation can make a world of difference. If a, if a person is unable to speak, but you help them find a way to communicate that they're in pain, what relief that is for the patient and their family and caregivers. Tell us a few of those instances, if you would, Steve. Sure. So I can, I, I'll tell you quickly two stories. Uh, one is very simple uh, intervention, which is a patient who has back pain, but oftentimes we have the length of our legs are different. And if one of our legs is longer than the other, it kind of offsets our pelvis and causes us to have back pain. And so we can often insert a shoe insert into uh, a shoe, which levels out the pelvis and helps back pain go away. So that's a a, a very simple intervention. Another that is very striking to me is uh, when I was a resident, there was a young woman who had been hit by a bus, and she had she was in a permanent vegetative state. And when she awakened uh, through the use of lots of cognitive stimulating medications, um, she began to, her parents were very concerned that she would end up in a pediatric nursing home and be unable to tell them if she had pain or not. And her parents were congenital death, both of them. Oh but when she began to become alert, she began to, to uh, reliably su- sign yes and no. And it gave great relief to her parents that if someone asked her if she was in pain, she could reliably tell them yes or no and that she would be treated for her pain. This is so insightful, Steve, and thank you. Let's take a little break, and when we come back, more from Dr. Steve Williams from Jefferson. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.com. And welcome back. We're enjoying a very informative conversation with Dr. Steve Williams, professor and chair of physical medicine and rehabilitation medicine at Jefferson. Steve, I'd love to hear what you have to say about patients with COVID. As you explained so beautifully, rehabilitation medicine offers so much to so many patients. And we talk about rehabilitation after a person has an injury or an illness, but there's also um, the idea of preventive rehabilitation, people who are in bed for a long time in the hospital. Speaking of which, these poor COVID patients are in for a long time. We're seeing marked damage with their lungs, in some cases prolonged. Some have heart issues and may be fatigued for long periods. How are we helping them? Yes, so COVID has uh, multiple profound uh, organ impacts, and the lungs are certainly one of the organs that are very affected by COVID. As you have probably heard, and those who are listening in, many patients who have coronavirus or COVID often don't feel short of breath, and then they become acutely ill very quickly. It's very interesting because um, as a result, even after they have been treated and survived coronavirus, many patients still do not perceive 
uh, their shortness of breath. And when we're doing what is called pulmonary rehab, pulmonary rehab is really focused on endurance training and teaching people how to pace themselves and how to breathe appropriately so that they can go longer distances on walks and do activities, et cetera. And we often use a scale called the Borg scale, B-O-R-G. And the Borg scale is really a, a scale of perceived exertion, how much are you exerting yourself to perform a task? But that scale is inaccurate in people who have coronavirus and who have survived it. They don't feel short of breath, so they, they never feel exerted. So one of the things that we have really come to understand as we perform pulmonary rehab with people who have had coronavirus or COVID-19 is that we really need to be very cognizant of performing their rehab in short little bits so that they do not become overexerted or too fatigued, that we can't continue to make progress in every session so that we don't actually have to rest uh, for a day or two, but we can continue to build on each session successfully. Um, It's also very interesting to think about all the other things that COVID patients have that rehab can really intervene on. And that includes cardiac uh, complications. Uh, Many patients have a a weakened heart afterwards. And so cardiac rehab is much like pulmonary rehab. So we can actually tackle both of those with the endurance training. Um, Many people have lots of clots, we've all heard. And as a result of having lots of clots, many times those clots go to the brain and cause strokes. And people have weakness on one side or they have difficulty with speech or they have difficulty with swallowing. And then we've also seen patients who have ended up requiring amputations of their legs uh, in particular uh, as a result of some of these clots and inflammation. And they end up needing to learn how to walk with a prosthetic device. So rehab tackles each of these and including cognitive issues. Many patients who have had uh, coronavirus also seem to have some delirium or cognitive issues afterwards. So we work on all of those and hopefully we help people uh, regain all those functions so they can get back to living the life they want to lead. And of course, as you say, it's not like you can reverse the pulmonary disease and you can't reverse uh, any paralysis. But what you can do is use the muscles that are available so that the person's more efficient in their use of those muscles and help them time their motions so they don't become short of breath and they can still have that quality of life that offers them um, hope to get up and and continue with life. It's so difficult for so many people and, and you are a beacon of hope. So I know that too, that you pride yourselves in giving each person an independent evaluation and really assess every different story and um, find out what fits their needs. Steve, can you explain, um, I know you talked about the team, um, a true champion that you are, you never take the credit for yourself, there's no I in team, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, that may teach people how to swallow again after a stroke. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about the care from each of those uh, participants? Yes, so, you know, um, we all work as a team. Physical therapists really work on 
walking or what we call ambulation or mobility. And that might be training with a prosthetic device if you've had an amputation. It may be the endurance training of walking for cardiopulmonary rehab. It may include strengthening if you've had a stroke on one side or the other. Occupational therapists really help us with our task of daily living. And our task of daily living are the things we all do each morning. It's getting up out of bed, brushing your teeth, grooming yourself, taking a bath, and putting on your clothes. And when you think about it, if you're weak, you're going to do all those activities differently. In particular, if you're weak on one side and it's hard to lift your leg, you may need to be taught until that strength returns how to put on your clothes. Or if you're right-handed and you have the stroke on your left side and your right hand isn't working, you need to learn how to brush your teeth with your left hand or to brush your hair with your left hand or to put on makeup or to shave. And then our speech and language pathologists really do two different tasks. Well, really three different tasks. They help us with our speech. So many times after stroke or people who have been intubated on a ventilator for a while, they'll have difficulty uh, with coordination of the muscles of their mouth. And that's called dysarthria. But it's really a lack of coordination, which causes speech to not come out quite right. And that dysarthria can also occur with swallowing, and we call that dysphagia. And so uh, speech and language pathologists work on speech and coordinating the muscles of the mouth and of the neck to help us produce sound and also to help us swallow. And speech and language pathologists are also the key player in cognition. So they, along with a neuropsychologist, really help if people are having uh, problems with memory or delirium, et cetera. And then the thing that brings it all together is that each of these specialists are experts in different types of devices that patients can use to help them achieve that independence. So let's say that you're initially, you had a stroke and you're weak on the left side and you may walk with a walker to help you with your balance. But as you become stronger and stronger, then you'll go to a cane and then you'll go to nothing. And so the physical therapists are experts at determining which type of assistive device is most appropriate for you at that time to keep you safe, but also to allow you to make progress. And so rehab is really very interesting to me because not only is it a group of people who are working on helping our clients or patients achieve functional independence, but we also use devices and technology, sophisticated computer systems, uh, et cetera, to help people achieve greater uh, independence. And so I think that rehab is a really amazing field of medicine that's changing constantly, advancing constantly, and and there are um, technologies that are always coming on a line that help our patients live the lives that they want. Well, and I think uh, it's the definition of clever. I know when my husband, uh, who's a very large oak tree, had hip surgery, and he has size 16 feet. And the first day that we attempted to come down the steps, I say we, um, he put his foot on the step. And, of course, it hangs over by about 72 inches. And the therapist <laughs> came and said, just turn your feet sideways. And I, she saved me several heart attacks, something that simple that I wouldn't think of. And I went to medical school with a, a brilliant man, Dr. Dick Moberg. I hope you're out there listening 
who was getting a PhD in bioengineering at the same time, and his dream was to create an artificial cerebellum, that part of the brain that gives us fine motor coordination, to instill into um, prostheses for fine motor, for picking up more uh, effectively. So all working together, it's a beautiful picture. Stephen, our final few minutes, I'd love to hear, I know Jefferson has one of only 14 of the nation's uh, spinal cord injury centers uh, designated. And maybe you could tell us about your focus there and the research that's ongoing at Jefferson now. Sure, I'd love to. So um, I'm a physical medicine and rehabilitation physician, but I have a subspecialty in spinal cord medicine, which means that I predominantly take care of people who have paralysis. And um, that is often from a traumatic injury or from some type of acquired uh, spinal cord uh, injury. And so we also think about uh, young children who have spina bifida. So um, my practice focuses on caring for both adults and children who have paralysis. And as you mentioned, Marianne, Jefferson is one of the 14 designated model centers for spinal cord injury care in the United States and has been since the early uh, 80s. And Jefferson has a long history of uh, really contributing to uh, the research. Uh, Dr. John DeTuno, who was the first chair of rehabilitation medicine at Jefferson and just retired this past year uh, after having served at Jefferson for 50 years, Mm. uh, was really one of the giants of spinal cord medicine. And I feel so lucky uh, to sit in the chair that he occupied himself and to be a spinal cord injury doctor. So there's a rich, rich history of spinal cord care and innovation, uh, really working toward uh, improving uh, people's function who have had uh, spinal cord injury at Jefferson. And we take great pride in that. And thank you for asking. And I know that you are bringing other good research to the table at Jefferson too, because there are so many ways Um, in which you can help. Right. So not only do we focus in spinal cord injury research, but we also have lots of focus on musculoskeletal research. And some of that is around um, knee arthritis and hip arthritis. We also have people who are uh, focusing on concussion uh, in our department. Their research endeavors are around concussion and sports injuries. And we also have a lot of research around dementia and aging, in particular, uh, our collaborations with the College of Rehabilitation Sciences. We have uh, several big research projects that are funded by various foundations in the area to help people who have dementia remain in their home. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. It would take us multiple hours to, to really understand and appreciate everything that Jefferson PM&R has to offer. Shortly, we're going to be talking to your colleague, Dr. Nethra Ancom, about the difference between physical therapy for inpatients and outpatients that have COVID. Stay well, Steve. Thank you once again, and I hope to have you back soon. Thank you, Marianne. It was a pleasure. Take care. Take care. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed on Radio.com. Listen to the show at your convenience. Go to Radio.com and in the search bar type in Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand.
welcome back to your radio doctor on WPHT. We're joined by Dr. Nathra Ancom, Associate Professor of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Jefferson, PM&R for short. That's what we'll say the rest of the show. Welcome, Nathra. We're so glad you can join us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. We just heard from your chief uh, and chair of your department, Dr. Steve Williams, and now I'm really excited to share your information. Patients who are hospitalized with COVID are at bed rest. They're isolated. And you pulled a great idea together because as a PM&R doctor, you said these people are going to become debilitated while they're lying here and they're sick and short of breath. So tell us how this all evolved, Nathra. Yeah, um, so early in the early days of covid Um, we were trying really hard to reduce risk of exposure for our our staff. And so the patients were very isolated. Only the attending physician and the nurse were going into the rooms. So there really weren't people going in uh, uh, all the time and making sure that the patient was getting up and moving. Um, And then they were also weak from um, having the fever. And um, with COVID, you have a a tremendous amount of shortness of breath. And so they didn't want to move. And so we uh, were worried that they would be in bed, and in addition to the problems they had from COVID, they would also have debility and um, and muscle wasting um, from being in bed. Um, so, uh, so what we wanted to do was find ways that we could uh, prompt our patients to be moving um, within these confines. Um, so the, so what we did was we, um, one, um, worked with the hospitalists and created some videos for them so that they would know how to, um, uh, mobilize a patient easily. Um, and, uh, and, and so that they could, when they were going on their rounds, get a person out of bed and at least do a little bit of standing because we know that um, patients who are on prolonged bed rest, they experience muscle atrophy. They can lose up to one to 3% of their muscle strength per day. It usually plateaus at about 50% um, muscle loss just from the debility and the the immobility alone. Um, And that's in people who are healthy. So when you take people who are not healthy um, and are in like a catabolic state or a state where they're breaking down um, uh, more than they're building up, um, that happens a lot when you're ill, um, then you actually may lose more. So it's really important to, to be paying attention to these things. Sure. Use it or lose it, as we always say. And then the other yeah. thing I learned from our conversation the other day, as the infection begins to wane, it can take three days of recovery for every day they've been in bed. So at first, as you say, it was just the hospitalist and nurse going into the room, mm-hmm. trying to reduce um, exposure. And then when you learned it was a little safer if we really had uh, good PPEs or protective equipment for the um your physical therapist. So in conjunction with those people being able to go in and help the patients, your videos sound wonderful. They helped patients uh, maybe do exercises in their rooms, in bed or in the chair. Tell us about the videos. Yeah, so um, so we also, once we had the PPE situation, um, that we, we had more experience with it, we 
began to have our therapists go in. Um, but uh, these patients can o- only seem to tolerate short bursts of activity, and we want to make sure that it's very gentle activity. So, um, so they were working with the patients, but then we wanted to, them to have other touch points to be able to do exercises. So we created a set of videos, um, one with some breathing exercises that could be done as a warm-up, um, one with some in-bed exercises, just gentle exercises to do to have range of motion of all your joints um, and uh, and to do it slowly and not to increase the shortness of breath, um, but to at least keep everything moving. So in bed, in chair, and then standing. Um, and so our therapists and our nurses were able to um, help the patients go to that uh, Jefferson YouTube, uh, Jefferson Health YouTube channel um, and watch the videos and then do those um, simple exercises a couple times a day. And it was probably a welcome relief for these poor people that are isolated in a room. And at least if they watch a video, they feel like they're <laughs> interacting with somebody. It must be so scary for, for lay people. You know, when we're sick and in the hospital, you understand a monitor and all. But and what a brilliant way to help patients, uh, Nathra. And, um, and tell us, how does bed rest lead to a debilitated state? Well, bed rest... Um, uh, can, can affect every system of the body. So um, that old adage that you said earlier, if you don't use it, you lose it, um, is really true. So um, when we're, uh, we're constantly in a state of building and uh, breaking down. So we're constantly building muscle and breaking down muscle, building bone, breaking down bone. But the input to um, build up the bone or build up the muscle is the movement and the weight bearing. And so if you're not doing those things, your body will break down bone, but it won't build back up bone. So you can lose a lot of bone and muscle um, just by not being active. And so, um, so we know that bed rest affects every system of the body in some way from, you know, being in bed, it makes it very hard to even uh, pass gas or <laughs> to, to have sure. a bowel movement. Yeah. Um, you know, um, it, it makes it very hard to, it, it, uh, you know that you can have blood clots develop from not moving. So these are, these are all these complications that you have just from not being up um, and, and moving. So, um, so the more that we could get patients up safely and move safely um, to maintain their muscle mass, the better they would do um, overall. Sure, and as you say, if there's no activity to trigger the building of muscle and bone cells, that leads to the atrophy or uh, sort of withering of the muscles and and weakness, and it takes a Mm -hmm. long time for your body to relearn that and and, uh, start from scratch. So maybe there are some other issues you can talk about that re- require attention from PM&R doctors and therapists in uh, COVID patients because um, I'm sure the physical therapy is different for inpatients than it is for outpatients. Well, so initially when you have the inpatients, we're really um, trying to make sure that the that their oxygenation status is okay and we want to make sure that we are keeping them medically stable. Um, so our therapists are watching the oxygenation status. They're watching the, um, 
the blood pressure and heart rate of these patients. Um, and we found um, that it's best for the activity to be in short bursts. The sessions should be short um, and not taxing. Um, and then we can do more of those sessions throughout the day, but at least um, that it should be um, it should be monitored and and thought of in that way. There's um, actually a, a, a scale of perceived exertion that we use, and we ask them to not be more short of breath when they're doing the exercises. Um, and initially, when you first go home, um, for the first about six weeks or so, we still want you to not be short of breath when you're doing the exercises, but we want you to keep moving. Um, and then after about six weeks, uh, we want you to start building your endurance at that point, and we want you to start being a little bit short of breath when you're doing the exercises to sort of build your endurance. Well, that's very helpful to learn. So you have metrics that you use, which, um, again, sometimes your body tells you when you've reached your limit. But um, the other thing, um, I thought it was interesting you were telling me that sometimes in as short as two days, a patient can develop flexion contractures. So for our listeners, um, when you bend your arm or leg, that's flexion. And when you extend it or straighten it all the way out. So that means that you can freeze in a a bent position in a quick time. And, And then you said even the weight of a sheet on your feet can change the muscles around your ankles and it's harder to walk. Especially somebody, as you say, who's already debilitated. It's one thing if you're healthy and get COVID, but in a person who's already kind of weakened by diabetes or so tell us a little bit about that yeah um so when when i said um you start to develop the flexion contractures in two days it, it just means that there's evidence that there's some shortening that can happen within as little as two days um mm-hmm. and this is definitely something where an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure um the shortening of joints and the tightening of joints either the shoulders the knees the hips um uh, it can become very painful to then move when those when those joints have become tightened. Um, and you know, typically the um, uh, weight of uh, typically with good nursing care, you're moving all of those joints. Um, but sometimes the ankles and the and the fingers can be a little bit. Um, left behind. And even the weight of the sheet, just keeping your ankles pointed down, and you just change that angle just slightly. Um, so then when you stand up, um, you, you do take more energy to, to yeah. move and walk. So it takes a little more is, work. Uh, yeah. 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 And lying in so bed definitely can... makes it harder, as you said, to pass, to be polite here, pass gas and to evacuate. And that's when you call your local GI doctor, Dr. Ritchie, and yeah. say, help. <laughs> so I think maybe yeah. what you should do is install good music in every room to keep people moving and grooving, like a little Motown maybe, yeah. I think. I think that I'd would like be that. wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a little yeah. break and we'll be back in a moment with Dr. Nathra Ankum. Thanks, Nathra. Thank you. Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. Dr. Marianne will return, but first, a medical message from one of our partners. And we're back with Dr. Nathra Ancom, Associate Professor of PM&R at Jefferson. Nathra, how would a patient reach you for an appointment? So if you've had COVID and you're experiencing any functional issues, call um, our office and start with a telehealth visit. Um, our number is 215-955-1200. Um, and we can work with you to tailor um, exercises and therapy for you um, and help you regain the function that you've lost. Um, 
And uh, some of these exercises can be done at home if appropriate. We can guide those uh, home exercise programs. Or if you need physical therapy or occupational therapy, we can help arrange that as well. And I think, uh, as we were saying earlier, I was speaking to Dr. Williams, some of the suggestions made by physical therapy, occupational therapy, seem like such easy common sense ideas after they're presented to the patient. Um, You know, when you go to dry your hands, if you have the towel on the towel bar and snap it and then it won't fall off or such simple things can make a huge difference because if you're short of breath, a couple of extra steps can really make your day a lot harder. So I I always admire the the work of PM&R doctors and, and staff. So in the meantime, tell us how patients could see the videos that you have created that have gone national. Brag a little bit. Yeah. You deserve it. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so the videos that we made, um, if you go to YouTube.com and search for Jefferson Health, you'll mm-hmm. see the Jefferson Health YouTube channel. And then at the top, there's um, playlists. And you click on that, and you'll see an inpatient playlist and an outpatient playlist. And we have the exercises there. We have the scale of exertion in there. And um, it's it's a very easy uh, self-guided way to do some simple basic exercises. Sure. For the, and I, for the I initial think, recovery period. Yeah. And I think, too, we've learned so much from you, Nathra. Um, I think that uh, the emphasis that I want to st- say again is that you have different um, therapy suggestions for people who are inpatients, even if it's what you call a passive range of motion, you're too tired or sick to move, the therapist will come in and move your legs for you to keep them in motion. And if you forget, to our listeners, if you forget the number 215-955-1200, remember you can always call 1-800-JEFF-NOW and ask for an appointment. And I think too, Nathra, and correct me if I'm wrong, if a person has had COVID but wasn't in the hospital, and they're listening, they still might be able to uh, improve if they have prolonged shortness of breath or difficulty by coming to see you as an outpatient or at least start with telehealth and get some good advice because yeah. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, we can definitely um, look at the whole wholeness of your situation and help you figure out functional ways that you can improve. So, um uh, we're we're physicians who add life to you, <laughs> um, so um, so that's what we do. Well, it's a beautiful calling that you have, and I know that you bring um, comfort and hope to a lot of people. And uh, we're going to have to have another show on all the good things that PM&R offers. Nathan, thank you so much. Stay well, and I hope to talk to you soon. Yes, thank you so much for having me. This was a wonderful experience. Our pleasure. Thanks. And now for your real champion. This segment is called Heavenly Healthcare. Some of you recall the name Dr. Albert Schweitzer. Born in 1875 in Germany, he was recognized through Europe as a theological scholar and concert organist. But it was his reverence for life that led him to medical school. He and his wife, a nurse, built a mission hospital in Africa, which grew to 500 beds by the 1960s and won in the Nobel Peace Prize in 1952. With the prize money, he built a hospital to treat lepers. Now let me tell you about Dr. Mary Worship. She attended William and Mary for college and Eastern Virginia Medical School. After residency, she couldn't wait to take care of families and form lasting relationships with each generation. 
Over 20 years ago, she was a busy family doctor, but times changed and when her practice became a business, she heard a different call. Mary's from an Irish Catholic family and still recalls her father's words, we must never forget the poor and hungry. Her grandparents came from Ireland to start a new life in America. She remembers the stories of job postings which read, Irish need not apply. Her respect and caring for immigrants has stayed with her to this day. Mary then heard a program started by a retired pediatrician. In 1994, Dr. Jack McConnell moved to Hilton Head, North Carolina and learned that one in three people had no health care. So he opened the first Volunteers in Medicine Center where retired physicians, nurses, and dentists could volunteer to help those without access to care. The idea then came to Paoli Hospital, where trustees, the Women's Auxiliary, and generous benefactors Buck Bell, Gordon Hattersley, and Betty Moran came together, and Community Volunteers in Medicine in Westchester opened its doors on May 18, 1998, bringing health care, healing, and hope to low-income, uninsured families in the Chester County region. Patients stay healthy and productive, and it reduces number of costly emergency visits and hospital stays. Mary is the Vice President of Medical Affairs and has been there from the start. Three patient rooms are now 11. One dental chair is now seven. In 2019, a record-breaking year, more than 45,000 patient visits, over 28,000 free medications dispensed, 500 volunteers donated 56,000 hours. CVIM, full service, medical and dental care, diabetic counselor, social worker, nutritionist, and funding is from private donations, corporations, and grants. And the original dream of Dr. Jack McConnell has grown to 91 volunteer medical clinics over 28 states. Mary's message, when you see a need in the community, do something. One person can make a difference. I'm inspired by my patients. They're resilient and hardworking, but many of them didn't have the privilege of an education. Like a true champion, Mary shares the credit with her 500 volunteers. With COVID, she lost some of her older volunteers at increased risk, but with her core staff, they never closed the doors. They stepped up, added telemedicine, and kept going. Now let's circle back to Albert Schweitzer. Remember his last gift with a hospital to treat lepers? When I asked Mary if she had a special story about a patient, she said, about two months ago, a new patient arrived with a rash from head to toe. A volunteer dermatologist did a biopsy which revealed leprosy. I first heard about Dr. Mary Worship from one of her volunteers, my dear husband, Dr. Stu Gordon. And when I saved her name, I wrote Mary Church. Okay, that sounds like worship. Like Albert Schweitzer, Mary shares his reverence for life. So whether her name is Church or Worship, there's a special place in heaven for people like Mary. Congratulations to your real champion, Dr. Mary Worship. Friends, visit the website for Community Volunteers in Medicine, cvim.org. Be a volunteer or a donor, cvim.org. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week to hear about a good, healthy diet. We dispel the myths about carbs and fat and share lots of tasty tips. Send us your questions about our topics. Send stories about champions in your families, workplace, or neighborhood serving the community. Send them to info at yourradiodoctor.com. All of our shows are on our website, yourradiodoctor.com. Now, listen to the sounds of Sinatra here on WPHT. And always remember that your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, a Jacob Media production.
If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.